All right, welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and I'm joined today by the great trumpet player and composer and band leader, John Lake. And uh, John, thanks for being here to talk a little bit about the new project. Of course, man. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. And uh, so, John, you're talking to us from Brooklyn, I think, today, I believe. That's correct. Yeah, Kensington, Brooklyn. Beautiful Kensington, Brooklyn. Amazing. And so your new Did record... Did you ever live in Brooklyn? I never lived in Brooklyn. No, I was always uh, uptown. Oh, never Brooklyn. You missed out, man. You missed out. <laughs> so the new record is out on, let's see, I want to make sure I get this right, Friday, June 26th. Yep. And uh, so why don't you just give us give us a little bit of the overview and then we'll kind of dive in a little bit deeper. Sure. So the record, this is my, my debut record as a leader. I had a couple records back in college uh, when I was going to grad school out in Colorado. Um, but it was like a band that I was in, you know, mm-hmm. we had like band practice and, you know, had our band songs, um, which right. was very rewarding. And I liked it a lot, but this is my first record as John Lake, you know, as like the John Lake quintet or, or sextet. Uh, um, as you said, it's coming out through outside in music on June 26. I recorded it last year, May 30th of last year. So coming up on, uh, the anniversary here real soon um, of the recording. I did it at uh, at Big Orange Sheep in Brooklyn, my local neighborhood recording studio that just happens to be like one of the best studios in New York. And I got a really good group of guys to, uh, to come with me and record and uh, did a lot of original tunes, mm-hmm. uh, just a couple covers, but tried to keep it pretty original and pretty fresh, you know? Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so, Let's back up a little bit. Tell people, you know, where did you grow up and how did you get into playing music and specifically being focused on playing jazz? Sure. Well, uh, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. It's a town called Salina. Okay. C-E-L-I-N-A. It's not Salina. A lot of people want to say that. (laughs) But um, it's a small town, about 10,000 people. And uh, we were really lucky. We had a a really good band program there. Mm. And I had a couple really great... uh, band teachers. And I dedicate this album to um, all my teachers that I had through high school and, and college. But uh, we had a couple really good band directors there, uh, uh, Chuck Sellers and John Stetler. And I had a trumpet teacher as well. My small town had a music shop. We were like the town with the music shop in the whole county where everybody would come to rent their instruments for the band, the marching band, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ohio, football is the thing. It's really all about the football. But uh, the marching band was sort of like, you know, the, the source for all the good band programs in the area. Um, but I had a trumpet teacher and I had two uh, great band directors who got me into jazz bands. And I, I did the classical thing too, like the symphonic band or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think of myself as being jazz or classical. Um, but it wasn't until I started auditioning for colleges that I realized I had a lot more interest and a lot more to offer in the jazz auditions than I did in the classical auditions. You know, um, so I ended up going to the University of Cincinnati College mm-hmm. Conservatory of Music, which is a great music school um, in the Midwest. And I, I met a trumpet teacher there named Brad Good, oh, who yeah. I went on to study with for all. Oh, you know, Brad? Yeah. Great. He's a, an amazing, amazing guy, an amazing trumpet player, man. He taught me about everything that I that I know on the trumpet. Um, 
and I went on to study with him for about eight years. I, I went from Cincinnati out to the University of Colorado, where he, he had moved to, uh, mm-hmm. to go teach out there. So I went from uh, Cincinnati to Colorado, and I, I did a master's out there. And then I always thought I wanted to move to a big city. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really sure which one. Um, but the last couple of years in Colorado clarified it for me that I, I really wanted to come to New York and just, you know, try my hand at, at being a musician and, and doing this full time. And that's, that's what I've been doing for the last seven years, seven, eight years, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, when you were in, uh, so Selena, wait, Selena, no, I just, I said it wrong already. I you, said did it. It. you did the wrong <laughs> I did. thing. Yeah. I did it's the okay. wrong. I was it's like, like wait. You, you and everybody else, you know, I'm sorry. Selena, it's all good. So, it's okay. Is it, is that near to Cincinnati? It's about Not two really. hours north. Okay. It's like, um, it's the closest like city is uh, Lima, Ohio, which is about 45 minutes away. And that's where Joe Henderson is from. Oh, um, okay. But there was like, you know, Cincinnati it was a great time. There was like a, a jazz club. There was a couple clubs where you could hear jazz, but there was one jazz club, which is sadly gone now. It's called the Blue Wisp. Mm-hmm. And they had a big band every Wednesday night. And you could go hear the big band and they were so swinging, man. And uh, you heard a lot of people like from the area came back to, uh, to play there. Like uh, John Fedchok is from Columbus and he would come back right. a bunch. Um, and I, that's where I met him and, and got to know his music a little bit. And uh, one of my big influences, Tim Hagens is from Dayton, which is right okay. next to Cincinnati. And he would come back and man, I would fell in love with his playing. So there was a, a decent amount of exposure uh, at the time and it's still going good, man. They still have a good program, you know? Yeah. It's crazy, man. How like different little pockets, are exist in different places across across yeah. the country like like that like you're saying there's like like aren't the lavanos also from ohio and mm-hmm. like, like there may be more cleveland um i, I don't yeah, remember it's hard exactly. for me to remember because joe came to cincinnati to play at the blue wisp uh while i was there but i couldn't it was sold out man i couldn't even get a, oh. a ticket but fred, fred hirsch is from the area fred hirsch mm-hmm. is from cincinnati so he would come back like once a year yeah, it was great, man. That's super and cool. there was local guys too, you know, the local heroes who were playing every week and could go out and, and hear them and sit in. And it was like, man, like a ticket for these shows was like $4. You know what I mean? It was like, <laughs> yeah, not, like nothing, you right. know. Not like $50. Man, no. that's crazy. So what was like, was there, maybe you don't have a moment like this, but was there a moment for you where you kind of realized that I'm going to do this music thing? Like, was there a, something that really spurred you on towards it? You know, I think I was in high school and I had gone to, um, you know, part of me wishes that I had I'd grown up in more of like a, a city environment or something like that and had a little bit more exposure to like, like if I had been going to jazz clubs from a young age, for example, you know, uh, something like that. But I did get to go to a couple music camps um, and uh, I went to one in like my junior year of high school and I was just thinking about what I wanted to do, you know, and I had thought of a couple of things. I had thought about getting into chemistry or, or some kind of mathematic field. Um, but everybody was just telling me like, you're good at this and you can do this. And I was like, yeah, it's, I do like this, you know? Um, and then uh, the, the deeper I got into it, the more I fell in love with just like the community of it, you know, like mm-hmm. getting to know people through playing music and, and playing in big bands, which, uh, I do a lot of and certainly you have done your share as well. You know, it's like there's something about that um, that I really love. Uh, I still love. It's like, you know, I can go to any city and I'm going to find somebody who knows somebody that I know or, you know, um, 
and this kind of collaborative spirit of making music with other people. Uh, that's what I really fell in love with. And of course, you know, the trumpet, it's like, it's hard to love the trumpet, <laughs> you know, like any brass instrument, it's like, you love it. And it, you think it loves you too, but then tomorrow it's like a totally different story, <laughs> you know, but uh, some days you have good days and that keeps you coming back, you know, and I guess I would say that I'm also a glutton for punishment in some regards. So that keeps me coming back to the trumpet also, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. So, um, you know, I think <clears throat> mentors and teachers are really important, important for all of us. And so it seems like Brad good those people for you and, you know, yeah. I mean, I met him for one time when I was out at, uh, in Boulder, but you know, I knew of him cause he played with Curtis Fuller a little bit. You mm -hmm. know? So I kind of, mm -hmm. yeah. Records, but, um, so what was it about Brad that like made you want to go from Cincinnati and kind of not follow him, but I know he ended up out no, there. No, I did. I, I, I followed him out there. I would not have gone out to Colorado. I was thinking about going to Chicago or something like that right mm -hmm. after, um, undergrad. Um, I don't know. just the way that he, you know, I was never, and I still don't feel that I'm like a natural trumpet player. <clears throat> for me, everything is like, oh, man, it takes forever for me to get my head around a, a concept. And like, I could pick up the horn right now. I'm not going to, but I could pick up the <laughs> horn right now and, and sound really bad for you. You know, it's like, and Brad had just had such a great way of explaining things because I'm a very analytical person. And mm. he had a way of explaining them, uh, the concepts and, and the ways of playing trumpet intellectually that in a way that I could get my head around, you know, so a lot of teachers, um, and I'm sure you've experienced this. They just tell you, just close your eyes and, and breathe deep and just blow. And, you know, it's like that, that kind of just feel it out thing never worked for me. Mm -hmm. And I needed somebody like really telling me like your tongue goes like this and your teeth do this and your lips should do that. And, uh, went through several embouchure resets with him, but I just always felt like he had my, my best interest in mind and he's very supportive and, um, it was more than just trumpet playing, like getting me into the, the music scene and, and preparing me for life as a musician, you know, um, sight reading, the importance of being able to like play in an ensemble, these sorts of things um, have really like helped me uh, create a life for myself as a musician, like a profession, you know, right. uh, just like the nuts and bolts skills of being able to show up and play music you know, um, have kept me employed. And that's, that's been one of the greatest gifts. Um, I also would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge um, another mentor that I met out in Colorado, which is Art Landy, mm. a brilliant uh, pianist, um, did some recordings on ECM in like the 70s and 80s. Um, but he's sort of like a free jazz guru who lives out in Boulder now. And uh, he really opened my mind up um, to a lot of things while I was out there playing wise and, and being in groups and, and bands, as I mentioned. Uh, so it was a really great time studying with Brad and, and art and, and just being around those two, you know? Yeah, no, of course. Um, I'm curious about the experience you were talking about being in, in that band uh, what kind of group was it? Like, what, what did you guys do? You said you make a, made a couple of records and because I'm assuming yeah. that it does play into like the experience you had of planning and making this one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I learned a lot making those records. The, the band was called Shirley. There's a bunch of my close friends from out in Denver uh, that I had met and I'm still close friends with all of them. Um, we did the first one in a house in this guy's house. Uh, um, 
Michael Bailey, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was like, it sounded pretty good, man. It sounded pretty good. It's some really fun tunes. And basically I was really into knee body at the time. Mm-hmm. and kind of like made a jazz rock, uh, uh, concept for, uh, for me and my friends. And, uh, but it was very collaborative. Everybody contributed and it was such a cool, I always wanted to be in a band like that where everybody was bringing material and we're all working on stuff together. Um, the second record we did with them, we did in a studio, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to, it's a uh, Colin Bricker studio. It's called mighty fine audio. And, uh, that one came out really well. Like that taught me a lot about studio engineering and how to make something sound good, mm-hmm. which, you know, on this record, seven angels, the, the one that's coming out in June. Um, I'm so happy with so many aspects of it, but I'm really happy with the audio production mm-hmm. and the way it sounds. And, uh, you know, Big Orange Sheep was a big part of that, uh, Michael and, and Chris uh, at that studio. But, you know, I had a lot of input into that, which came from doing these other records um, and producing them myself. You, you learn a lot about, um, you know, what compression does and how to, how to orient yourself to the microphone and how these, these things work. You know, it's so important um, as a musician, like a lot of people, don't listen to music the way that we listen to music. Right. They want something that has a lot of bass. You know what I mean? <laughs> if it sounds, if it's like a, a live recording or something, you're like, what is this? You know, it's like, they're not interested. So uh, it's important for me that it sounds good, just so I can um, listen back to it and be like, yeah, I can play this in my car and hear everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the, like, production... Uh, I'm not going to say tips and tricks, but, you know, production, like things that come to your mind as like being super important for like, maybe not the first record, but like as you're making the suggestions. Well, uh, the most important thing is that you have, um, it depends on what you want a record to sound like. I like records to sound kind of isolated, you know what I mean? And, uh, a little bit washy, sort of like ECM. You know, I don't like records with a lot of room sound. So um, you, if you have an idea of like what records you like and why they sound that way, you can learn a lot um, by getting a microphone and hooking it up and seeing what does it sound like when the microphone is three feet from my bell? What does it sound like when it's three inches from my bell? Um, and how different mics, you know, like a condenser mic is going to sound very different from a dynamic mic. And a ribbon microphone is going to sound very different from like a, you know, any, any non-ribbon dynamic microphone. They're very right. different sounds, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of am a little bit of a nerd when it comes to gear, whether it's like audio or cameras or bicycles. Like I'm just like nuts on this stuff. Man. I, can't, nice. I can't stop. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's just like using your ear. Uh, what you what you know you like, uh, you don't want, you know, uh, you want clarity, you want uh, not too much bass. That's a big thing, like an appropriate amount of bass that doesn't take over all the mids and lows and things like that. And just various things you learn over time. I mean, I listened to the first record and that I ever did and the spirit of it is there and the, the, the compositions and everything are there, but I, I insisted on using a, a Sennheiser 421 because I just thought it was a cool mic and mm-hmm. it is a cool mic for like a live gig, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. not, a, 
<laughs> not a great mic to record a record on, you know? And they, the guy was like, don't use that. Use a ribbon mic. I was like, no, man, this is the mic. This is like, you, know, you learn. <laughs> yeah, live and learn. What's your, what's your yeah. go-to mic now for trumpet? I'm interested oh, man, I'm so glad, you, so glad you asked. Let me grab it real quick. Oh, nice. Oh, there's, a, uh, there's a great trumpet player in the UK okay. uh, named Michael Barkley. And okay. he, he makes his own microphones and they're oh, called wow. Barkley, Barkley microphones. And this is the Barkley infinity ribbon mic. So he made this oh, wow. with his own two hands. And uh, he sent me one on a bit of a, a little bit of a deal uh, that I would, I would try it out. And I love it, man. I mean, I, on my record, I use this microphone. Um, actually this particular microphone is the second one that was in New York city. The very okay. first one was, was at the studio. It was a big orange sheep. They had the oh, very wow. first one in New York City. And uh, I used theirs. So I didn't use this one. Okay. But um, I paired it next to uh, an AEA R44, which is a great copy of an RCA, you know, vintage ribbon mic. And I liked the Barkley mic better. It has more clarity. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Like the, the AEA is great. You know, it's got that nice woolly, like mm -hmm. scratchy, bit, like, full bassy sound. Um, but the Barkley mic just had that kind of like vibrant clarity that I really love, you know, without being nasally. I don't like a Royer to me sounds a little nasal, no offense to all the Royer people, but, uh, no, the Barkley mic is where it's at, man. I really recommend it. I, I can't recommend it enough. And it's, it's a good value too. Yeah. I just pulled it up. I've never, I, cause I, I didn't know about them. Cause I usually you're, go, with, I go to like a Coles guy, right? I like the Coles 4038. I, I knew that about you. Yeah, I don't know why. I just like it. It's a great mic. If I didn't have this, I, I might get a Coles. You know, I feel like it's it's got great clarity and um, it's got that kind of like high mids that are just open and free. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've heard it more on trombone than trumpet, though. So I'm not sure mm -hmm. does if it translate quite translates quite as well to trumpet or not. I have. I think they're they're pretty similar instruments, yeah. really, in the grand scheme of things. You know. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's so interesting. It's definitely something you don't think about when you're starting off recording because you, I feel like we get obsessed with more about the takes. Like, oh, was, did I play it right? Did I do this? And then we don't think about this bit, this like just fundamental yeah. sound of the record. So yeah. that's a really great, that's a really great thing to get, you know, people thinking about from the beginning for sure. I mean, and if like, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about doing a record or maybe you've done a record and weren't really happy with the way it sounded, reach out to people, you know, talk to people who have done recordings um and ask them what they like or what they don't like you know uh, there's a lot of great resources out there but it's uh or you know you could get a producer out do you do you hire producers for your records or do you do it yourself i i've done it my i did it myself the first one two three three times and then i've mm -hmm. been hiring i've been hiring people since because it's just once i had one i was like oh i'm not going to go back to not having a person that's yeah. there to help because uh, it lets you just focus on the music and they can they can help make sure that the takes are right, at least for me, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Did you did you have someone produce? I forget. I didn't. I, I honestly can't imagine having somebody unless I, if I did a big band record, then it would be good, you know, sure. because I would be, there's too many things to keep track of and you can't hear everything right. all at once. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, for my, I, I don't know who I would, for me, I think the personal fit would have to be really important. It had to be somebody that I really trusted Right, um, exactly. To, to know my music and to know what I wanted. And if that's the case, why wouldn't I just have them be in the band, you know? Like, Potentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I mean, I understand that too. I, I, th I felt the same way until 
I had somebody help. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, oh, yeah. actually, this is okay. <laughs> it's actually yeah. better. It freed, me, it freed me up a little bit personally, but that doesn't mean really? it's the right thing for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, redirect our focus for a minute back to the record here. So sure. <laughs> tell us, I know we got talking we about- We can talk about microphones for a microphone little bit longer. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to check out the Barclay mics though. I have, I've never- Do it never seen them but i have i have the website up on my screen now um so tell us about the band who who's playing on the record and what made you put this particular group of guys together man uh i'm I'm so happy with the personnel on this record so um it's a very classic like trumpet sax quintet record um it's me and, and paul jones who I, I believe has a record out on your yeah, he's label got two. as well yep. yeah uh, i just love paul's sound and uh I feel like we blend really well together and I like, I appreciate his taste, you know, mm. he, he's um, just always plays melodically and uh, you never, you know, I never think like, Oh, he should have stopped a chorus sooner or something like that. It's just, everything is, is in good taste and, and well-conceived. Um, and then Stephen Fife on piano is one of my very good friends. Um, I met him a while back. We were both working, uh, or studying rather with uh, with David Berger, big mm. band composer, and uh, Stephen's been a, a great friend that I am always able to bounce ideas off of compositionally or playing. He's such a, a brilliant performer and, and musician in, in every respect. So, and he's a great comper, man. He's a really great comper, and just like when you have somebody who's like getting up in your you know in your stuff, it really elevates everything to another level. Um, yeah, it certainly sure. does for me. I feel that. Um, Marcus Varela on bass, fantastic young player uh, in the scene. I think he's in uh, Texas right now with his family during all this shutdown stuff. There's a lot of people leaving, leaving town for that, you know. Um, but Marcus is everything you want in a bass player, man. He's got a nice, fat sound, great time feel. Uh, man, I got to say, so, so I had Marcos and then I had Jeff Davis on drums. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff's a little older than me. Um, he went, he, he's from Colorado. I didn't know him until I moved here. Mm. Um, and I started playing in a couple of big bands with him, like the uh, uh, Angela Morris, Anna Weber, big band, mm. um, and maybe one or two others. But uh, I heard him mostly play free, uh, like, or not free, but like modern, you know, more modern music, not a lot of straight ahead swinging sure. stuff. I just, but I could just tell he was like, I just, he had like this energy that I really enjoyed. So, uh, I asked him to do it and he was, he was, uh, able to do it and wanted to do it. And man, he played so amazingly well, the whole record. I mean, like we had to do a couple edits here and there and, uh, all the tempos were exactly perfect the entire time. Him and Marcos just kept it right here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, great energy, uh, which is a trumpet player, any brass player, you want somebody, you know, getting behind you and, and helping you out. And, uh, he did that, man. I, I really feel like I played better as a result of having these guys on the record. Um, so I, I couldn't be happier, uh, with the personnel. And then, um, I was also able to get Michael Thomas on a couple tracks, uh, saxophonist, Michael Thomas, who co-leads the, uh, Terraza big band, which I played with you in several times. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a new record out as well. I think I've got my copy coming in the mail, uh, as we speak but just a brilliant improviser and, a, and an amazing composer. And uh, has a lot of, um, brings a lot of fire to a couple of, uh, like we did a Shade of Jade, which is one of my favorite Joe Henderson tunes. And uh, Mike takes an amazing solo on that, a burning solo. And then um, 
this uh, 12 eight kind of Afro-Cuban thing I wrote called Signal Changes, which he also completely destroys. So really happy to have him on that as well. Yeah, Mike, Mike is great, really yeah. great. Um, so I think something that you do that not a lot of trumpet players do is kind of straddle the, I don't know, dichotomy, I guess, between like people that are more improvisers and people that also play really strong lead trumpet. So I'm curious if you have any um, thoughts about that, if you think about them separately or that they're the same. There's obviously been other people. I think Brad is one of those people that does both. And yeah, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Brad's certainly one of the people who inspired me to, to think I could do both. I just, or I, maybe I just never thought that you couldn't do both, which was right. like a very dangerous thought. <laughs> I, have, I, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of thoughts and words about, um, about doing both, uh, which I've commiserated uh, about thousands of times with other trumpet players. Um, like for example, Brian Pareshi is a, is a brilliant lead trumpet player, one of the best uh, playing uh, for my money anywhere. And mm -hmm. he's a, incredible jazz soloist as well and i've you know uh and there, there's there's several others but it's like you know one thing i've noticed is it's really hard to do both um the kind of maintenance and upkeep and kind of like slavish dedication to uh the trumpet that playing lead requires at least for me um you know is is not great for somebody who wants for i should say the type of soloist that i want to be it's, it's not, a, it's not super compatible. You know, I like to play very soft and um, try to back off the horn and be a little bit more vertical mm -hmm. when I play solos um, or I would like to be able to do that. But lead playing has you so engaged with the horn, like, you know, really, I don't want to say pushing cause that's the word we don't like to use in, in brass. Yeah. Right. Uh, but really it's, I mean, you're pushing those notes out you got to pound that stuff out to the back wall. Um, two or three sets in a night, you can, get into some habits uh, it's not even like a bad habit it's just the way that you kind of have to play to be an, an effective lead player at least the way that i hear lead trumpet being played and the way that i want to sound you know sure. um so you know like for a month before i did this record i didn't take any lead gigs which is hard to do you know uh, because that's kind of been primarily my identity in new york city since i arrived it's like I thought I was going to be a jazz player who played lead. No, I'm a, I'm now a lead player who plays jazz. <laughs> um, so I, I had to turn down a, a few gigs um, because I knew that like I wanted to get on the big mouthpiece and do the slow warm up and uh, get things moving uh, in a, in a really responsive uh, fluid way that um, lead playing sometimes doesn't happen that way when I, especially when I'm playing a lot of traditional big band, like swinging lead, uh, like right. shout chorus type stuff. Um, it's just a very different way of playing the trumpet. So, uh, you know, I, that's kind of my strategy in general is like, if I have a jazz gig on Friday, uh, I'll start practicing jazz like on Monday and try to not practice lead if I can't, but it doesn't always work out that way, you know, and vice versa. If I have a, if I've been playing some jazz and I have a lead gig Friday, I better start getting on the, the high notes and the arpeggios and the articulations like, you know, a few days in advance. Uh, I'm, is, is it similar for trombone? I'm curious about I that. I think some people think so. I really don't. I really don't think it's the same. I feel like there's something way different about trumpet that makes it 
I would never, because I would never think that I would need to do anything different to play. Like yeah. the approach, the approach maybe is slightly different. The sound concept is slightly different, and maybe some people play a different horn or different mouthpiece. But mm -hmm. like to me, it feels maybe it is different still, but like it's not quite. It's not as different as it seems for trumpet. But maybe yeah. I'm just like in the. I've just always been kind of in a similar place mentally as you, where it's like, well, mm -hmm. I don't. I don't really make a difference between well there might be a difference but i i see myself being doing both is fine you know yeah yeah i don't know i i know like fed shock changes the way he plays I oh think, for sure pretty considerably you know on the microphone and when he's soloing and it's like mm -hmm. brilliant man and then he, he plays lead and it's pow in your face you know right um but uh i don't know it's it's, it's tough it's definitely a source of frustration for me and i wish i i wish it was easier but you know <laughs> Yeah. I wish a lot of things were easier. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. So um, I know oh, no. right now we're in the middle of uh, our little um, kind of hiatus from gigs, but uh, mm -hmm. what were some of the, you know, projects other than this small group project that you've been involved with in New York that you're kind of excited about or enjoy playing? Well, um, a lot of big bands, you know, uh, I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've, man, it's kind of, I don't even want to start listening because I don't want to forget anybody, but sure. like some records that I've been really excited about recently, like Brian Crock has two records out with his big band, Big Heart Machine, which I play lead on and a solo on the first one. Uh, Remy LaBeouf has uh, one record out, Assembly of Shadows, that I got to play lead on and another one in the can that's I think going to come out this year. I'm not sure. Um, Stephen Feifke's got a record in the can that I played some split lead, mostly second on. Uh, man, uh, Angela uh, Morris, Anna Weber, big band, uh, has a record out on Greenleaf that just came out like two weeks ago. Um, it's just like uh, A.L. Vilner, we did a record um, at, at Big Orange uh, last fall. It's hard to remember. Um, <laughs> it's like there's so many good big bands, man. It's, it's really insane. You know, uh, I got to, I, uh, I got to play a lot in Terraza big bands. I'm not really like in the, on the record, uh, but I, I sub there a lot and, uh, it's kind of overwhelming the number of, of great big bands and the music is all so hard. Like, <laughs> I'm like I know, in I the shed you. constantly just like trying to shed these parts, you know? Um, but it's so rewarding and it's like, this is, you know, when I think back, I've been here like seven or eight years and like this, I'm just so happy that I get to uh, play in all these bands, you know, and, and stay somewhat busy. It's like a dream come true, man. Um, I'm sure there's others that I, I forgot to mention, which I'll feel terrible about later. But uh, <laughs> anybody who's ever called me for a gig, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the, no, that's, that's perfect. So um, what, what else is coming up for you? I know, uh, we've a couple more weeks, so the record will be out, and then, and then yeah. what's in the future, project-wise or idea-wise, coming down the pike. Man, it's hard to know right now. You know, it's like they instituted this uh, four-phase plan in New York to reopen things. So, like, I guess five on the fifteenth of May, they started opening certain businesses, but you still can't like have sit-down dining or anything like that. Mm -hmm. The basically the crux of it is. Uh, the last things that are going to come back are any kind of like concert type setting, whether it's like a musical theater or stand up comedy or certainly any, any, you know, uh, gathering of people in the same room, like large groups of people. 
which, you know, I could make the case that at my gigs, they're so poorly attended that it wouldn't, I should be allowed to play a gig is all I'm saying, you know, it wouldn't make any difference. Um, but, you know, I'm looking like I, I'm someone who primarily, I do other things. I, I arrange, uh, I should have mentioned my own big band, yeah, uh, the new Alchemy sure. Jazz Orchestra, which we were playing a lot, we played at Birdland in February and, and the Django a lot before that, several years. Um, but it's like, uh, it's hard to know what we're going to do, man. I mean, I, I made most of my living playing trumpet, mm -hmm. you know, um, a lot of gigs and, and weddings. Um, and like that stuff is all canceled or, or rescheduled for 2021. And I had a, a thing uh, with Al Vilner that I was really looking forward to do later on in the year. And that's getting moved. Um, so I'm not really sure. I'm doing some other things now, uh, as far as arranging and um, and uh, you know using uh, my powers of Sibelius for good. Um, <laughs> but it's not like it's not exactly rent uh, rent paying levels of income. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I think there's going to be a lot of people figuring out other things to do just to make money and. To be honest, man, this process of releasing a record has really kind of separated out for me the idea of like music as art versus music for making money, you know? Mm. Um, you know, I mean, this a record, as you know, costs a lot of money to produce mm -hmm. and to promote and to, you know, all these things. And it's like the idea that you're gonna necessarily recoup that, I mean, you could, um, mostly what you'll use that record for is to, well, one, get your music out so people can hear it and appreciate, mm -hmm. you know, what you've done. The other thing is to, is to try to book live engagements. Um, but with that on hold as well, it's kind of like, well, where do we go from here? Uh, I'm very fortunate. Like uh, they've just expanded the, as I mentioned on the other podcast, we did like a couple weeks ago, they just expanded uh, unemployment um, to freelancers. So I've just, been able to take advantage of that recently after like kind of a long waiting period of registering. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's been a few arts organizations that have, uh, stepped up and, and helped, uh, help me out. Um, the okay. Grammy music cares and the actors fund. And, um, there's a couple more, um, which I'm so grateful for. And it's, it's really makes me feel good that people are stepping up to help artists during this time. But, um, I'm not sure to answer your question, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. It's kind of a waiting game right now. Uh, mm -hmm. I might end up figuring out something else to do to make income for the short term, you know, uh, at least until like the, the gigs really come back, which will probably be 2021, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. Same seeming more and more realistic. Like that's the case. Like, so I was, I yeah. was holding out hope too, that it would not be the case. <laughs> yeah. But what are you going to do? So June 26th, uh, you can check out, the new record from John Lake and his group. Um, what else, what, what, what didn't we get to talk about that you would wanted to, to mention? Man, I don't know. Uh, well, let me talk about the singles. So the first single is out now. It's called The Bet. Um, I wrote it. Uh, I had this kind of, um, I was getting ready for the record and I knew I needed like a certain type of song, um, mm. like a high energy, like, modern jazz song you know? <laughs> sure. and um, yep. with like some uh, meter changes, you know, sure. and uh, complicated harmonies. Uh -huh. um, 
So I was just kind of like sitting in my room and it was like really nice out and I wanted to go outside and I was like, man, I just got to sit in here and write this tune, you know, it's like, it's mm -hmm. time. And I was reminded of that uh, Anton Chekhov story called The Vet, uh, which I'm not sure, I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's like a short story um, where this, uh, these guys are kind of debating, like, could you survive like 20 years in isolation? And so they make a, a bet basically for like so many millions of uh of rubles or whatever that this guy can't live in a room by himself for like 20 years. Um, it's a really engaging story. I suggest you read it, but that was kind of the, the inspiration. Like I'm locked in this room, can't leave. Um, but it's kind of uh, got a new sense now that uh, we're all actually stuck in our rooms for real. For real yeah. <laughs> we can't leave. Um, so that, that singles out now on Spotify and iTunes and uh, you can pre-order the record on Bandcamp. Um, but yeah, I think that that pretty well covers it, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, and I appreciate it. What's the um, what's your website again, so people can find uh, the music when it comes out? It's johnlakejazz.com. John Lake Jazz. Don't forget the jazz. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, and the new Alchemy. What, what's the address for the new Alchemy Jazz Orchestra again? We we don't have a website. We oh, have a we have a. We have a great Instagram page. I'll oh, see. It's been really so prolific. I didn't even notice he didn't have a website. <laughs> uh, we have. A, we actually do have a lot of good content, like videos and, and photos. Um, we've been investing in that, so we're proud of that. But uh, uh, that's definitely. I, we've got. We've got four singles out from that band as well that came out last year through OIM, and those are all up for streaming as well. Uh, New Alchemy Jazz Orchestra. Excellent. Well, John, thanks for ta taking a few minutes to chat about the record and what you're up to. We appreciate that. And uh, I hope everybody can go and take a listen when that comes out on June 26th. So thanks again, John, and we will talk to you next time. Bye.